Hi there, and God bless you. I'm Brian Hallam. I pray that this message is a blessing to you. Thank you for downloading it, and thank you for following me on Twitter and Instagram and for liking and sharing what we post there. I just want you to know that I believe God wants to do something great in your life and in your family. So as we go into the Word today, let's go in with faith and hope and a high level of expectation for what God is going to do in your life. We're going to teach this morning. I'm going to give you four keys to a good New Year's launch because we want you launching into the new year. I don't want you just going into the new year. I don't want you easing into the new year. We want you launching into the new year. We want you accomplishing exactly what God has called you to accomplish in the new year. So I'm gonna give you four keys really quick on how to launch into 2018. Everybody say 2018. It's gonna be a great year for you. I know it is. So number one, you're going to have to get up. Somebody say, get up. Yeah. I saw a video the other day. Somebody sent it to me. A lot of times people send me these funny videos and stuff. And sent me this video, and it's this little kid, and he's in a pool, and he, he's, he's flopping in the water, and he's just screaming, help, help, help. And, and he, he, can't, he, he, he obviously can't swim, or he's terrified. And his mother reaches down to pick the boy up, and the water is only this deep. Sometimes getting up is the biggest challenge you have and you'll find out that what you're treading or you think you are trapped in is not as dangerous as what you think. We've got to get to the place where we get a get up mentality. The Bible says in Proverbs 24 and 16, it says the righteous fall seven times, but we get back up. Somebody say get up. We're going to get up in 2017 and we're going to run into 2018. Any race that you ever see happen, you never see somebody starting laying on a couch. You never see somebody starting sitting in their easy chair. They're always either standing up, ready to go, or a lot of times they're crouched down in a, in a, in a position ready to launch. But the key is we're going to have to get up. Well, how do we get up? Number one, we're going to lay aside some weights that have been holding us back. I can preach... Uh, uh, sermons and I can make people shout and I can preach sermons and I can make people cry and today's gonna be somewhere in the middle. I just wanted you to know. But if you're gonna do everything God wants you to do in 2018, you can't carry everything you carried through 17. There's some stuff you're gonna have to set down. You're gonna have to set down some bitterness. You're gonna have to set down some offense. You're gonna have to set down some disappointments that came in your life. You're gonna to have to set down some disappointing areas in your life where you don't understand something. You're just gonna set it down and say, no, if God is making a way for me, then I'm gonna believe that and I'm going to lay aside every weight that's held me back. Furthermore, you're gonna to begin to set down some of the things that you know on the inside are not pleasing to God. You're gonna to begin to set, there, there's some habits maybe you have that you know are not pleasing God. You know they're not pleasing God because when you do it, you have what we call in, in Christianity, once you've been saved as long as I am, we almost have our own language, praise the Lord. But you, you, you have something called a catch in your spirit. 
It's that unction, it's that inkling when you know right before you do it that it's not something you should be doing. Or maybe right before you do it, it's something you should be. Right before you choose not to, it's something you should be doing. But we're gonna have to get to the place if we're gonna do everything that God's called us to do in 2018. And if you and your family, if you're going to launch into 2018, you're gonna have to decide to get up and you can't get all the way up if you're carrying all this other nonsense with you. There's some stuff that has to come off. And the best way, I'm about to tell you the secret to breaking a bad habit. Start a good one. The secret to breaking a bad habit is to start a good habit. The more you decide that I'm going to, well, just just put it like this. If you'll spend time with the Lord and you will legitimately keep your mind to the best of your carnal ability focused on him, he will begin to knock that other stuff off your life and the things that have been battles for years will not be battles anymore. Somebody say amen. amen. We're going into 2018 and we're going to get up, but we're going we're gonna to leave some stuff behind. We're going to leave some stuff in a place that... See, the Bible doesn't say we have to lay aside every sin. That's really obvious. It says to lay aside every weight that holds us back and the sin. There's some things in our lives, listen, that, 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 that may not be sin at all, but we know it's holding us back. Maybe it's, it's staying up all night watching TV instead of spending some time praying before you go to bed or staying up so late that you can't get up early before work to spend some time with the Lord and then you're trying to figure out why am I stressed out all day? Well, you hadn't talked to Jesus in a month and a half. Of course you're stressed out. We're going to lay aside every weight that has held us back. You see, if I put 50 pounds on your shoulder, you might be able to run a 100-yard dash, but you will not run that 100-yard dash as good and as fast and as efficient as you would without all that weight on your shoulder. There has to be a deciding that I'm going to set some things aside for the cause of Christ, for the cause of my family, for the cause of the ministry, for the cause of the kingdom, for the cause of what God has called me to do. I am not going to drag everything that I've been dragging around into this new year. Somebody give God a hand of praise in the house. We're going to set some things down. We're not going to spend, we're not going to go into eight, let me, here, here, here's, here's how it boils down. Now, if I could just say it just, just real plain. I don't want you spending the first month of the year repenting. I just want you to do it now. Have you ever done something? And I mean, you know you did it. Like, like, like you know it was wrong and you, it just happened to be a Wednesday and you happened to be going to church and you're walking in the doors and you're like, oh, there was that thing that I did. I forgot about that. And, and, and old shouting Susie's over here shouting when the band's playing and amen, Billy's over here amen, and you feel like you can't even lift your head up because of what you did. Now, the reality is, is you're still just as saved as you were before. Even righteousness is filthy rags before God because he saves us and he didn't save you to kick you out of heaven. He saved you to bring you into heaven and praise the Lord, but you're sitting there and the feeling of guilt and condemnation is just overwhelming you and you're going, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I hadn't done that. Then all of a sudden you say, Jesus, would you forgive me again? And instantaneously, like, a, like the bath water is perfect, like the, 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 the soap smells wonderful, he just bathes you right there in the sanctuary. All of a sudden you go, wow, he forgave me again. You throw your hands up in the air and you start singing, great is thy faithfulness. 
Because he will forgive you in a moment, but it requires a turning or a repenting of a thing. What I want you to do is I want you to get all that out of the way now so that when we go into 2018 and we commit to win a thousand souls a month, we can be running at full clip and we don't have to spend half of the year repenting for some nonsense that Jesus will knock off our life as soon as we'll ask him. We just decide we're going to live for God. And the way we do it, we're going to launch into 18. And the way we're doing it, number one, we're going to get up. Somebody say get up. up. Number two, and it kind of builds on this, but number two, we're going to believe God. Everybody say believe God. God. Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Mark 11 and 24, if you have your Bible. It says, therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe. Everybody say believe. Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So when you pray, believe God. When you pray, believe God. Believe God for what? Believe that you will receive what you so ever desire. So in other words, we're not going to spend 2018 doubting God if God said he would do it. Somebody give me a big amen. We're going to believe him. If he said he'll heal our body, and he did, you know what we're going to do? We're going to believe him. If he said that he'll bless us in our coming in and our going out, you know what we're going to do? We're going to believe him. Listen, if you're at the water cooler and somebody comes up and says, oh, brother, there's layoffs coming and it's going to be terrible and and you don't have to embarrass them and you don't have to make a scene, but you can say under your breath, you can say, you know what? I am so thankful that this company does not supply my needs according to its riches and glory, but to God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who's constantly looking over his word, he supplies my needs according to his riches and glory. I'm going to believe God. God in the face of all adversity. 2018, we're going to accomplish a lot. The Lord's going to do a lot through this church. If you can be here tonight, be here tonight. A lot of this is going to tie in with our message tonight. And I'm going to reveal uh, some of the things that God has shared with me about our church for 2018. Because what God has called us to do, let me tell you what it's going to take. It's going to take God to do it. Somebody say amen. Amen. If you can do it, you don't need God, you should do it. But it's probably not all he's called you to do. Because he's called us to live by faith. Therefore, we're going to have to believe God for something that's grander than we can do on our own. Just the brief history of our church is just miracle after miracle after miracle. My wife and I moved here. We didn't know one human being in the Brazos Valley. And now look around. This is our second service. We still have another service. We, we, we started, we didn't have enough room after a year, so we went to multiple services. After another year, we didn't have enough room, so we went to a movie theater. All the while, God is just being faithful. Then uh, less than a year later, we buy almost six acres right here. I don't know if you guys know this. Our church property goes from where the mules are, the horses, you know, the, the thing. They, it goes all the way down to that stop sign. So what's going to happen is we're about to fill this property up with buildings that magnify God where people in this area can come and be loved on and be pointed to Christ. But God is just time. The history of our church is just miracle after miracle. Let me tell you, we don't have any reason to doubt God because he's always exceeded our expectations. So in 2018, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to get up. Everybody say, get up. up. Next thing you're going to do is you're going to believe God. Somebody say, believe God. God. You're just going to believe Him. You're just going to believe God. I know know how simple that sounds, but you're just going to believe God. 
you're going to stop. The Bible says this. If, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, has anybody ever heard this story? If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can look at a mountain. If you've never been out of Texas, you've never seen a real mountain, but I've seen some mountains, praise the Lord. They're big. It's not like something you think just move. If you have just faith the size of a mustard seed, which is one of the smallest seeds there is, it's like a grain of sand. I've seen mustard seeds. It's like the greatest grain of sand. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to the mountain to be removed and be cast into the seed. Then the scripture says, and doubt not in your heart, you shall have whatsoever you say. Now, when you say it real quickly, it's easy to miss. Faith, everybody has it. How do I know? The Bible says everybody has been given the measure of faith. So faith, little old mustard seed faith. You don't have to have big faith to move God, but you do have to have the absence of unbelief. He said, if you will say it, if you have faith like a mustard seed, if you will say it and not doubt in your heart. In other words, if we're putting it in context today, if you'll say it and believe God, then you'll have whatsoever you say. For you to receive heaven, the eternal reward for every believer, you have to first believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is uh, not dead anymore, that he's actually risen from the dead, and he's Lord of all. And the Bible says you will have the promise of heaven whenever you cross over. It's the exact same thing in believing God in the rest and the other areas of your life. It starts in your heart and you believe God. In other words, you don't have to have Superman faith as long as you get all the unbelief out of the way. You say, preacher, how do I get all the unbelief out of the way? Well, you choose what you're going to believe. How do I choose what I'm going to believe? Let me just give you an example. When you were a child, you believe a rabbit hopped around with a basket and put eggs under trees that were colored and you could somehow eat these eggs that somehow a rabbit laid. You believe the fat man slid down your chimney, didn't get dirty, ate your milk and cookies, and delivered presents underneath your green Christmas tree. You believe that a fairy flew into your room at night, snuck under your pillow, stole your tooth that your mama or daddy pulled out of your head and left some money all without waking you up. What I'm trying to tell you is you can believe anything you want to believe. I'm trying to get you to believe God. If we can believe in fairies and rabbits and fat men sliding down chimneys, then surely we can believe the word of the living God. Surely we can believe God in his word. See, it's not just faith that moves the hand of God. It's the absence of unbelief. It's saying, I refuse to let doubt, fear, unbelief have place in my life. How do I make sure that that doesn't happen? I'm glad you asked. You consistently agree with what God says. If God says I'm healed, I'm not as interested in my current condition as I am in my eternal proclamation. If God says I'm blessed coming in and blessed going out and I, I can't, my money's not touching and agreeing with that exact same thing, then I'm still going to confess it because I believe God more than I believe everything that I can see. So first off, we're going to get up. Everybody say get up. Yeah. Then we're going to believe God. Say believe God. Number three, we're about to take a turn, y'all. Look at your neighbor and say, we're about to take a turn. Come on, look at your other neighbor and say, for real. I have not been following you around. I did not read your emails or your text messages, but this will probably hit home. Number three, 
The Bible says in verse 25, when we stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Verse 26, but if you do not forgive, is that in your Bible? If you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive you or your trespasses. Number three, if we're going to launch into 2018, we're going to get up, number two, we're going to believe God, and number three, we're going to forgive those who have hurt us. We're going to forgive those who's hurt us and they didn't know they hurt us. We're going to forgive those who hurt us and they hurt us on purpose and they knew darn good and well what they were doing. Can you say darn good and well in church? I never know. I just say it and then I'll figure it out later. We're going to forgive the ones who have harmed us. We're going to forgive our husband or our wife. If they did something years ago and you're still holding it over their head, you're not going to hold it over their head going into 2018. You're going to forgive them. You're going to, you're going to forgive them. Why am I going to forgive them? Because God forgave you. How are you going to forgive them? You're going to forgive them the same way Jesus forgave you. He didn't say, I forgive you, but blank, 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 blank. He said, I forgive you. You're going to forgive your mom and your dad. Some of you may even been significantly abused. Many of you, I can sense it right now, growing up. Right now in this service, you're about to forgive your parents. And 2018 is going to be the greatest year of your life because of it. Because the frustration that you've been carrying is not hurting them, but it's destroying you. It's eating you on the inside. It's caused you to second guess whether or not anybody can be a good friend or a good family member. The answer is yes. There are good friends and good family members available. They are out there and God has them for you. But you've got to forgive those who did you wrong. Young lady, if your stepdad, excuse me, if your father is vacant, you're going to forgive him. You're going to forgive your mom for how she talked to your dad when you were growing up in front of you and it totally twisted how you feel about men. And you've, had, you've put all men in the same basket. They're all pigs. Men, all men are not pigs. Some of them are. All men are not. If your dad talked down to your mom and that's how you thought that a, that a man should talk, you're going to forgive your dad for doing it and then you're never going to talk down to your wife again. If that's how he talked to the children, you're not going to talk to the children that way, but you're going to forgive him because the reality is here's what forgiveness does. Forgiveness doesn't necessarily set them free, but it'll set you free. Because if you don't forgive, I, I don't, I'm a real plain guy, okay? I'm not, I'm not all that fancy. I know this is a pretty sweet shirt. It's got flowers on it, I think, but I'm not all that fancy. I just read this Bible and try to apply it. And this is Jesus talking. He said, if we don't forgive, his dad's not going to forgive us. This is not hard. It's not, it's not overwhelming. 
He gives us the strength and the grace to do it. But you're not going to launch into 2018 until you decide you're going to get up, you're going to believe God, and you're going to forgive those people who have hurt you. Because if not, they are straw men in the room or straw people in the room. And you will ever, every time you're having a conversation with somebody else, you'll actually be talking to them. I've preached that way before. When we first started the church, I remember I'd be preaching things, and while I'm speaking, I'm thinking, what would this pastor think about the way I'm talking? And it was like I wasn't, it was like I was not ignoring purposely, but it was like I was more concerned about who wasn't in the room than I was who was in the room. The straw man in the room. Unless you forgive, you're not going to be set free. But you're not going into 2018 carrying that nonsense anymore. You're going to forgive. And here's the thing. You got to be careful about this. You don't necessarily have to call them and tell them. You just have to forgive them. Now, sometimes it might be worth it to call them and tell them. If they've been asking you to forgive them and you've said no and you've been holding it over their head, call them and say, I'm, I repent for not forgiving you. I forgive you. Praise the Lord. Let's move on. That doesn't mean put your hand back in the mousetrap. If there's still issues there, don't just run back into it, but you can forgive them and not return back to the same mousetrap. But you don't have to call them. And let me just say this. There's, there's a, I was talking in between services to a friend of mine, and there's two ditches on each side of the road. We can be on, on, on we, can, we can go in the ditch. We can never forgive, and then we can use forgiveness as a way of self-righteousness. Let me, let me show you an example. Hey there. Yeah, this is Brian. Yeah, the holy one. Praise the Lord. Yep. You remember that thing that you did? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. It was like 25 years ago. You remember? I, and then you did the, You know what I'm talking about. Anyway, I just wanted you to know, because of my holiness and because of, you know, I do have an, a, a, a halo and I try to keep it polished, I just want you to know that you are forgiven. Have a nice day. That's not what I'm talking about. It's easy to get in that ditch. No, you can just forgive them and then go on. And then the other side of the coin, and this is where it kind of can hit home, you're going to ask for forgiveness if you need to ask for forgiveness. Now, them agreeing to forgive you is not what sets you free but your willingness to repent sets you free. I heard Joyce Meyer say one time, holding a grudge is like drinking poison and expecting it to hurt the other person. See, we're not going to walk in unforgiveness. We're going to forgive. And if there's an error, Crystal and I, we race to, to, to apologize first because apologizing doesn't mean you think you're wrong necessarily. It means you value peace more than you value being right. How many times was Jesus around sinners and how few times did he sit there and point out all of their faults? He just said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You don't have to tell everybody what you're against as long as you're showing everybody what you're for. I got a call the other day. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? I said, I think everybody should work out their salvation with fear and trembling. But the Bible says this. It said the Bible also says the Holy Spirit convicts. It doesn't say Brian does. I might say something and the Holy Spirit convicts you. That happens a lot. I've, I've had that happen too. Did you know, did, were you talking to me when you said that? I said, yes, I was. No, I don't say that. 
I said, I have no idea. I don't know any of that. How can I know that? It's one of the reasons I keep to myself a lot. I don't want everybody thinking I know their business. I don't know anybody's business. I don't do the Facebook thing. I just, they set me up a thing so I can post some stuff that I want to post. I posted a picture of our dog the other day, old Hank. I like posting him. He had his old face covered up with his paws. Everybody say, oh. Let me tell you, we're going to go on to 2018 and we're going to forgive those people that hurt us. And you're going to get so good at forgiveness, you're going to get so good at forgiveness, you're going to begin to preemptively forgive. Before they even said it, I forgave them. Before you even had the thought, I forgave you. When you get off the phone and that person says that thing to you again, you're going to forgive them. Then you're going to begin to pray for them. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, God, let, let, let those words burn like acid in their mouth. Praise the Lord. That's all I'm talking about. You're going to begin to go to God like Jesus does for us. You're going to begin to say, Lord, would you look away from their sin? Father, I know what they said, but I'm asking you not to hold that to their account. I'm asking you, Lord, to forgive them. I know they didn't ask yet, but I'm asking you to look away from that. Would you draw them close to you again, God? Would you, would you pull on them? Would you bring them in? Because what will happen, I remember I, I lived, I never was totally crazy necessarily, but I was like 90% crazy. And, and I went through a season in my life when I was young in my teens, and I... I it just wasn't doing the things that were God's best for our lives. I don't, I don't like harping on it because I, I like talking about what God's done in our life, not what the devil tried to do with our life, you know? And I remember I was driving home one day from college, and this was after Jesus just really intervened in my life. And I had this thought to call this friend of mine. His name was Brian Allen. And we were, we were classmates. He's a great guy. And I just had this thought to call him. I said, hey, man, how you doing? We hadn't spoken in two years. I said, hey, how you doing? He said, oh, pretty good. Maybe a year and a half. It's been a long time. He said, how are you doing? Pretty good. We talked for a minute. And he goes, man, he said, do you mind me asking you a question? I said, well, it depends on what the question is, bro. He said, what is different about you? I said, oh, that. I said, I live for Jesus now. He said, really? I said, oh, yeah. I said, man, God just came and, you know, uh, touched me and such. I said, I'll live for him all the days of my life. I said, he's been so good to me. And I could hear him start crying on the phone. I said, what's the matter? Sissy? No, I'm just kidding. I said, what's the matter? He said, he said, I've been praying for you for two years, asking God to intervene on your behalf, to hold you in his hand. And immediately my mind was flooded with all the close calls I'd had in those two years where easily it could have gone the other way and there'd be a different preacher in College Station right now. And I said, man, I'm so thankful. I'm not saying that I wouldn't have received it because I don't know. But he never called me and pointed out all my flaws. He just went to God and he began to plead with God on my behalf. I believe that man's prayers kept me alive and I told him that. I believe your your prayers kept me alive. Your prayers might keep them alive until they turn it around. But if we don't forgive them, how are they going to know the one who forgave us? A preemptive strike of forgiveness. You can't even offend me because I already chose not to be. Let me just tell you something. You do what I do, 
you're going to get some opportunities to be, feel, be offended and get your feelings hurt. It's just the way it is. Comes with the, comes with the territory, praise the Lord. But Crystal and me, we just say, you know, we're just not going to be offended. Somebody talks about us, somebody, whatever. That's fine. My pastor taught me a long time ago. He said, he said if you'll just love people like Jesus loved people, you'll lose all that petty stuff. I don't know how good we are at it, but we really try. We find out somebody said something. Our first goal is to try to reconcile that situation. And if we can't, praise the Lord, we want to bless them. We want what's best. That's it. Why? Because heaven and hell are on the line. And when we forgive them, now God forgives us. Heaven and hell's on the line. When we forgive them, now all of a sudden they have an opportunity to meet the one that forgives. Heaven and hell's on the line. When we ask for forgiveness, all of a sudden we're set free. All of a sudden we're set free. I said, I mentioned Crystal to me. We race to see who can apologize first. I typically win. I just want you to know because she never has anything to apologize about. It's kind of interesting. It's the dynamic of our relationship. But see, into 2018, if you'll commit to get up, everybody said get up. Just get up. You just get up. You just quit carrying that nonsense with you. How do I break this bad habit? Start a new one. Watch the old one fall off. If you're, if you're uh, uh, trying to eat better, one of the greatest things to do to eat better is to just start a little exercise. Because immediately you start going, well, I'm, now that I've exercised, I don't want to go eat seven double cheeseburgers. Because I don't want to. So you literally sowed in that area, and now you start reaping the benefits. It's the exact same thing in the kingdom. You start, you start asking for forgiveness, all of a sudden you start going, oh, man, I feel more free, and you're not carrying anything. You didn't know you were carrying the weights. You didn't even know they'd stuck on you. You don't, you don't have to do anything for them to stick on you. Did you know every now and then they have to take a ship? I used to work at a, at a shipyard, and you have to dry dock that ship. You drive it onto this thing, and then you float it, out of the, uh, float it out of the water, and the whole ship comes out of the water, and that ship doesn't have to do anything other than be there, and it'll have barnacles all over the bottom of it, and sometimes it'll have so many barnacles on it that it'll literally cause that ship to waste fuel by pushing against something that it was never designed to push against because when it was designed it was streamlined so the water would just wrap around it but then you have all these barnacles and all this extra weight and that ship's pushing just as hard but it's going half as fast we're going to get up we're going to believe God if he said he's going to do it he's going to do it but what if I don't see it you'll see it but you got to believe it then we're going to forgive people that hurt we're not just going to forgive the ones that hurt us personally we're going to forgive the ones that hurt us corporately maybe you grew up in a church and somebody really hurt you in church today's the day to forgive them the odds of them sitting here thinking about you are not very likely but the fact that you've still thought about them means you need to forgive them Maybe they didn't know, or maybe they did know, and it was all on purpose. Did you think they accidentally nailed Jesus to the cross? Yet he still said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. 
and all the power of the cross was stripped away from them and now he held it in the palm of their hands because he was willing to forgive. The palm of his hands because he was willing to forgive. You ought to be so good at forgiving it flows out of you like a river. You ought to be known for it. You ought to be so good at repenting you ought to be known for it. Your kids ought to know that if you say something crazy that you're swift to repent so that they can see an example of it and now whenever they get married they can know how to act around their spouse. Swift to repent. If you say something off-handle to your kids, you ought to repent to that too. It doesn't show weakness. It shows great strength. Jesus was the meekest man that ever lived. Meek does not mean weak. The definition of of meek that I like is strength under control. We're going to get so good at forgiving people. Listen, they're going to become, what's going to happen? We're going to have lines of cars trying to get in here. So we're going to need some help on the parking team, all right? So you need to stop by the tent and sign up, but... We're going to have lines of cars getting in here. By the time they get through the doors, they're going to be so enthralled and consumed by the love of God because before anything, we've already forgiven them. Your mom, your dad, your cousin, your sister-in-law, your mother-in-law, your father-in-law, your son, your daughter, your daughter-in-law, your nephew, your friend from high school, your friend from college, your neighbor down. We've already forgiven them. When they come to repent, you know what's the best thing? When, when somebody does, and it's happened with me several times now. Man, I just call you. I just want to tell you I'm so sorry. I'm so, man, hey, I forgave you a long time ago. You what? Man, when Jesus forgave me. He told me to forgive everybody else. I already forgave you. And that feeling that you have right now, it's called conviction. I said, if you'll give your life to God right now, He'll take it all off of you. Really? He'll take it off? He'll take it off of you right now. You don't know what I've done. I don't care what you've done. I know what He did. We're going to get up. We're going to believe God. Oh, don't miss tonight, church. I can't wait to tell you about 2018 tonight we're going to forgive those who hurt us we're going to ask for forgiveness and number four this is a big one we're going to take action somebody say take action the Bible says faith without works is dead everybody say dead say I don't want dead faith me either we're going to take action how do we take action super simple You're going to set some time aside every day and you're going to pray. Maybe it's in your car. Maybe it's on the way to work when you were typically listening to the radio. You're just going to maybe put on worship or don't put on anything and just spend some time talking to the Lord. What are you going to talk to the Lord about? You're going to tell Him how much He means to you. And if you need to repent of something, you're going to repent. But you're going to spend some time with the Lord. Then you're going to read your Bible. I get up here several times a week Teach the Word. Teach the Word. But throughout all of it, I've got to be a like, a like a bump along for what you're already doing. You're already moving the needle in your life one way or the other. I'm just here to push you along the way. You get in that Bible, if you don't know where to start, start with the book of John. It's a beautiful picture of who Jesus is. We're going to take action. And the best way, you're going to tell your story. 
you are going to tell your story. You're going to tell somebody what God did for you. you. You've got a few hours between now and 10.30. Take you a nap and then sit down. And I want you to write down the things that you remember God doing in 2017. Because for whatever reason, the devil reminds us of our failures while God's constantly telling us to remember our victories. You write down what God did for you this year. You want to launch into 18? Look at what he did in 17. Because what happens is we begin to stand on the shoulders of our past, but we want to stand on the right shoulders. You begin to write down what he did for you, and then you tell somebody. And I want you to know this. It's not your responsibility for them to believe it, but it is your responsibility to tell them. If God did something in your marriage, tell somebody. God did something. What's, what's the worst that could happen? You lose your reputation? If everybody saw behind the scenes, your reputation would be garbage anyway. If they knew everything about your life from the beginning to now, your reputation would be garbage anyway. So tell somebody your story. You want to launch into 18? Tell somebody what God did. If God healed your body, tell them. God saved your family, tell them. If God got you a promotion, tell them. If God blessed your business, tell them. If God brought a deal into your life, tell them. If God's rescued you more than once, tell somebody. Why is this so important? It's how the whole thing works, everything. It's how the whole thing works. Jesus said, watch this, bang. Then he said, now go tell everybody. You don't know my story. I don't want you to try to tell it. You're free to tell anything I got. I don't copyright any of my sermon material. You're welcome to speak it. But you know your story better than anybody else knows your story. And if you'll tell it, I know the feeling. Oh, what if they don't believe me? Some of it sounds crazy. Try to put it in words that make you sound less crazy, I guess. tell your story because when you do somebody's going to get set free tell them about a church just barely five years old where people are being born again where lives are changing save them a seat better yet go pick them up and bring them here let me tell you what we're going to do we're going to love them and point them to Christ 2018 it's going to take all of his church we're going to reach a thousand souls a month in the name of Jesus Christ and it's going to take all of us to do it we're not going into 2018 like a dish rag we're going into 2018 ready to launch and we're going to see the hand of God move in our life everybody please bow your head and close your eyes if you're here today and you're not right with God don't go into the next year not knowing you're not living right. You're not doing right. Jesus is not Lord of your life. Or maybe you'd say it this way. Say, I used to walk strong with him, but I'm backslid. I'm like the prodigal son, and I just want to come home. If that's you, you've never said yes to Jesus, or you somehow fell back. When I count to three, lift your hand. And with an uplifted hand, you're just saying, oh, God, remember me, and he really will. Don't go into the next year wondering. Go into the next year full of faith, knowing who you are in Christ. If that's you, and I count to three, lift your hand. One, 
two, three. Lift your hand, tall and bold. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Praise the Lord. Is there anyone else? Lift it tall and bold. He'll remove all that weight off your shoulders right now. Praise the Lord. You can put your hands down. Let's all stand to our feet. We're going to pray this prayer together. We'll pray this prayer together. If you lifted your hand or you wanted to, just pray this prayer after me. Church, help us pray. Say, oh God, I come to you now and I ask you to save me. Write my name in your book. I believe Jesus died and rose from the dead for my victory. I'm a Christian now on my way to heaven and I thank God for 2018. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. If you made that decision today, I salute you. Let us know about it. Send us an email. We'll make sure and get some information to you. I want to ask one more question, though, before we leave. Maybe you've never joined our church, but you know this is the place for you. When I talk, you sense it. You sense that God is telling you this is your home. The Bible says those that are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. Anything that grows has to first be planted. And we want you to grow. It's our dream that your dreams come true. So if you're here today and you've never joined our church, we have membership classes that are coming up, but sometimes they're difficult to get to because of scheduling. But if you'd like to just make that declaration today, we would love to agree with you. I won't call you to the front. I'm not going to ask you any questions. There's no prerequisite. But if you know this is the church for you and you've never joined and you want to, when I count to three, just lift your hand real high. I'm going to pray over you, and, and we're just going to tell you we love you. So if that's you, you want to join the church today, one, two, three, lift your hand real tall. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord over here. Right here, praise the Lord. Is there anyone else? Bless the Lord. Let me talk to you for just a second. The book of Philippians says this. If you're joining our church, it says that when you partner with a ministry, when you partner with New Heights, you become a partaker of every grace that's on this house. So the grace, there's a lot of grace in this house, but one is a great grace for increase, a great grace for health, great grace for peace in your home. Uh, so these are the things that you are part and participle to. But that also means every time, listen to this, every time that somebody gets born again, you're a partner with that. You're a partaker of that same grace. So I salute you. I thank you for joining the cause with us. 2018 is going to be better because you have joined and linked arms with us. Before you leave, even if you filled this card out a hundred times, please fill it out one more time and drop it by the tent so that we can get you all the information about being a member of our church. Y'all give them another big hand. Praise the Lord. Don't forget, tonight's gonna be a blowout. Be here a little before 10.30. Service will start right at 10.30. Lift your hands. Let me pray a blessing on you. Father, bless your people coming in, going out. Those wonderful people who are joining our church, we salute them today. Those who've given their life to you today, we thank you for saving them. Now, Lord God, make us the head and not the tail. Bless us in the city and the field, this day and every day. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. God bless you. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you'd like more information about Pastor Brian or New Heights Church, visit newheightschurch.info and be sure to follow Pastor Brian on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, thank you so much for liking and sharing.